we are about protecting, preserving, and conserving what's good. Thus the term conservative, if you will. From a spiritual perspective, this is not our home. We are warriors deployed to a war zone for the duration. And we're here to fight the good fight. So first step is to know how desperately the world needs what you got to give. And that's the goal here. Tap into those deep roots of hunting, being the protector, being biologically and psychologically prepared to protect your family, to protect your loved ones. Do everything you can lawfully, legally do to be a dangerous man. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast, where we aim to make men masculine again. I'm your man, Nikki Ballou, and I'm here with my good friend and collaborator, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, U.S. Army Rangers, retired. Dave, great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on today, Come my on, friend. Nikki. Oh, so good to be on board with you, brother. You know, uh, your, your listeners uh, uh, probably don't know, it's, it's fairly new. Uh, Nikki and I are, are collaborating on a book. It's it's going to be, as you know, people know maybe on combat, on killing, on spiritual combat, on hunting. But the next book is going to be uh, on sleep, the tragic impact of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. And Nikki and I were talking to our publisher and we had a great conversation. Nikki was talking about his podcasts and he mentioned the Sovereign Man podcast in a different way than I'd heard it before about manliness and about, and I thought, wow, you know, we, I, I did that podcast before and there's a whole aspect of that that, that, that we could do. So I thought, hey, Nikki, want to hit that podcast? He said, yes. And, and so this is kind of that endeavor to come at that, 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 that aspect. And I think the concept was how to be, how to be a dangerous man. Yes, sir. And uh, and uh, Jordan Peterson said we need dangerous men, uh, and and we we're a danger to those who threaten our loved ones. We're a danger to those who threaten our way of life. Uh, we are about protecting, preserving, and conserving what's good. That's the term conservative, if you will. Yes. Although you don't have to embrace that that term, but recognize the fact we want to tap into those deep roots and. Uh, uh, I was recently asked by somebody, what, what's your favorite quote out of nowhere? And my answer uh, was a, a, a line from uh, J.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. And it really represents my theme. And I, I weave it into an awful lot of my works as a, not all that is gold doth glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. And the deep roots are not touched by the frost. So this is about the old that is strong and the deep roots that are touched by the frost and, and about being a dangerous man in dangerous times. And, uh, and, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of our, our plan and where we want to go in this next hour and uh, eager to share it with you. Amen, brother. Amen. And, you know, I love that quote. I, 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 um, I want to go find it somewhere and put it on one of our shirts, you know, because this is, this is our sovereign man logo. I don't know if you can see it. But it's I two, it. two swords it. crossed, and the sovereign man movement is is written in this 
in this gold circle. And on the back of my jacket, there is a um, a beautiful little poem from a modern writer by the name of G. Michael Hopf. G stands for Jeff, Jeff Michael Hopf. And he wrote a series of post-apocalyptic novels that did really well. And the most famous one was the first one. It's called The End. And the poem in it is one you've heard a gazillion times. It goes something like this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. And to me, we're in what Jeff calls the fourth turning right now. We're in the hard times that are starting to create some strong men, right? Yes. Yes. And that's the goal here. So let me start off by uh, um, talking about how desperately bad this situation is. And people don't understand. Now, I retired from the Army over 25 years ago. I spent more time out than I spent in. 24 years in, uh, came up through the ranks, paratrooper, sergeant, uh, OCS, uh, ranger, West Point psychology professor. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, it's been quite a turn to go from your basic BDI to infantry guide to a West Point psych professor. Uh, and, and then my book on, on killing came out. And uh, uh, it, it's been a great ride, but it, it's evolved into training law enforcement worldwide. Uh, I found out that the lessons we had from the battlefield, and when we talk about being dangerous men, I, I've never done much. Uh, my war was a cold war. Our great achievement when the Russians never came across that border. I got out really in December 97. Uh, but I have interviewed more people who have killed in combat. A book on killing alone, hundreds and hundreds of interviews came out in 1995. Then on the road, 200 days a year for 25 years. We've had, we've had 22 years of war. We've had uh, we've had the most violent times in military and law enforcement, and every day, somebody comes up and shares an experience about them killing and about them in combat, and it's an interactive feedback loop in which I present a model and then they give the feedback to it. So my son went to his first combat tour, the invasion of Afghanistan. He's got nine combat tours under his belt now. Wow! And the book I literally wrote. For my kid going to his first combat tour, and I believe, without a doubt, I can demonstrate in all, all these years, nobody has just had the opportunity to interview as many people as I have every day, year after year, about combat and about killing. And, and I put it all together. The book I literally wanted my kid to read before he went to combat was, uh, was on combat. I wrote on killing, and I thought what was at the heart of the battle was the act of killing. And, and that's, that's, that's intellectual, it's, it's useful. But this is what's really important. Uh, auditory exclusion, slow motion time, tunnel vision, uh, and, and the aftermath dynamics and how it becomes PTSD. The book has been uh, Marine Corps Commandant's required reading list ever since it came out. Uh, last I heard it was issued in the DEA Academy, issued to the Marshals Academy. This is my attempt to pass on to the next generation the wisdom that I've been blessed to receive. And we'll talk about being being dangerous. We'll talk about weapons. Uh, but but one of the places that I want to talk to you about is is how bad it is. Because the first step is to know how desperately the world needs what you got to give. 
So I, I train cops in all 50 states. I think I might be the only law enforcement trainer to ever be state certified in all 50 states. Wow. Train every federal agency. There have been ups and downs and incredible attacks from defund the police and Antifa. Uh, and uh, we're driving on. But the thing I want everybody here to understand, and I want you to lock it in and don't lose track of it. We, we measure how bad the situation is by the murder rate. And, and the murder rate is being held down by medical technology. And, uh, and, and if we compare the number of murdered people over time, it's a lie. Because the docs are saving ever more lives. Everybody has tourniquets today. All cops carry tourniquets. CMS carry tourniquets. People like me carry a tourniquet everywhere. If, if, if the tourniquet has cut the loss of life on the battlefield in half all by itself. And the tourniquet has cut the murder rate in half everywhere it goes. Just one, one innovation all by itself has, has cut the murder rate down. A cop slaps on a tourniquet, saves a crime victim's life, you're prevented a murder. And, and so and we got one good data point. A, a UMass Harvard study came out in the journal Homicide in 2002. It tells us between the, uh, the 1960s and the 1990s, medical technology cut the murder rate to a third or a quarter would otherwise be. So to compare the murders between the 90s and the 60s, you got to take the murders in the 90s and multiply by a factor of three or four. And, and even if they're off by order of magnitude, let's, let's say they're just, they're off and, and, and double, that, that, that medical technology cut the murder in half between the 60s and the 90s. Well, between the 90s and today, it did it again. And, and so to compare over any period of time, the number of dead people is a lie. Imagine somebody said, your grandpa made 25 cents an hour. You make $25 an hour. You're 100 times better off than your grandpa. Well, we all know the lie. There's something called inflation. That's your BS meter going off. But when we say, yeah, yeah, murder went up in 2002, but, but it's still not quite as bad as the 1960s. That's your BS meter going off. It's bad, guys. And, and I, um, I was part of President Trump's roundtable on violent video games. I had a chance to put uh, one book in the president's hand. Gracious, impressive man uh, in the White House. I gave my book, Assassination Generation, that talks about this. Invited back to the White House six months later um, to brief Vice President Pence. Again, had an opportunity to put one book in his hand. This is the book. It talks about that. And Vice President Pence, just a very intelligent and impressive guy. He said, what about the aggravated assault rate? Very intelligent question. I said, sir, it's too easy to fudge that data. Where do we draw that magic line between egg assault and simple assault? Cops will tell you, we'll make, you know, serious assault, aggravated assault, whatever you want to call it, dead. Murder is solid data if we allow for medical technology. Just like we have inflation-adjusted dollars, we need medically-adjusted murders. And when mm -hmm. we do that, it will transform the way we see the situation. Now, with all that said, then, in 2020, now, and, and, and in 2015-2016, Homicides exploded like nothing we've seen in recent years. And that was the Ferguson effect. That was that twisted media narrative that the cops are evil and the criminals are the good guys. And, 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 and then in 2020, we had the Minneapolis effect. And we've never seen more than a 12% annual increase in homicides one year in the 1960s. In 2020, 
we had a 30% annual increase in homicides. Just orders of magnitude worse than anything we've ever seen. Now, if that was a stock market, you would hear about it every day. It was interest rates or inflation rates. You'd hear about it, you'd hear about it, you know, on a monthly, how in the hell could this be happening? And not even know. Uh, the New York Times had a, had a great graphic uh, that said that the increase in homicides in 2020 is unprecedented, but they buried it on page five of, of a Sunday supplement and never mentioned it again. So understand this, the entire field of criminology, the entire field of criminal justice, our, 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 our criminal justice system is lying to us, deceiving how bad it is. And, and I, I tell them, I beat them up. I, I teach the FBI. They said, yeah, Dave, yeah, we're not the ones making that decision. We're not the ones, you know, reporting that data. You know, like we, but, but, but at the upper levels, the layer of deception on just how bad violent crime is, is bizarre. You get it in one sentence. Medical technology is holding down the murder rate. The number of dead people underrepresent the situation. And then in 2020, we had an explosion of violence like nothing we've ever seen before. But if we allow for medical technology, it's actually orders of magnitude worse than anything we've ever seen. And if 2021 had stayed the same, it'd be bad. 2021's up another 4%. Uh, and pull the wagons and keep your powder dry uh, and, and prepare for these, these desperately violent times. And when we talk about manliness, when we talk about manhood, uh, one thing I really want to recommend to your listeners and is, is, is my most recent book is on hunting. Mm -hmm. You can't understand combat, you can't understand killing until you understand hunting. And, and we talk in the book about from a if, if, if we, we look at all perspectives, we, we're not trying to, to, to choose any particular perspective, but if we take an evolutionary perspective, if our species has been in existence for 24 hours, right up until the last six minutes, all we did was hunt. It's all we've ever done. It's what we're bred wow. to be. It's what we're born to be. It's what we're wired to be. Hunting is deeply, profoundly, intensely satisfying. If you don't hunt, read the book. If you do hunt, read the book. Understand how hunters are, are providing the money to protect uh, uh, the, the ecology. And, and we use the example of trophy hunting in Africa. And Kenya has banned all trophy hunting. And they are being slaughtered. Their game is being slaughtered. They're, 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 it's called bush hunting. They, they, they kill it for meat. They kill it for whatever they want. And the poacher is kind of a Robin Hood type hero. The alternative is the Namibia bottle. In Namibia, they drew a circle around every village and said, everything in this circle belongs to you. And that crazy American who will truly pay $100,000 to shoot that lion. And by the way, that lion is at the end of his life cycle. And death by old age and nature is a horrible hideous, slow death. If you do not have a predator to give you a quick death, death by old age and nature means being eaten alive by insects and rodents for days, even weeks before you finally die. If you don't have a predator, give you a quick death. And by the way, a death by predators is not a quick death. They usually, if you're helpless, they'll rip open your guts and eat your guts while you still diet. But at least it's over in a, in a half an hour as opposed to days. Well, so we kill this lion at the end of his life cycle. We give him a quick, clean death. And that money will pay for all of the guards that you need, for all of the game wardens that you need, all the protection you need. 
the meat goes to the village, the hide goes to the village, you take the head home, and, 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 and it's a win-win. And Namibia is thriving, their game is exploding, they're, they're nurturing them, they're protecting them, and those people that come in to kill them at the end of their life cycle, uh, is, is, that's the answer, hunting is the answer. When we talk about uh, uh, all you people out there, the hunt, you buy your hunting license, you buy your game tag, where's that money go? Millions and millions of hunters spend hundreds of millions of dollars every year for the right to go hunt, and that money goes into conservation. That the anti-hunter doesn't spend a nickel on conservation. The anti-hunter doesn't do a thing to preserve the game in Africa. The hunter does. But here's the key now. I'm being dangerous men, and hunting is part of who we are and what we do. Uh, my little grandson, ain't so little no more, is in the Army now. My grandson was seven years old when we took him to a deer camp the first time. And he got out of school for a week, and he's grubby and dirty. He's been in deer camp. He comes home. His mom said, what did you like the best? She said, gotten the deer. For a seven-year-old boy, what's inside of a living creature, it's fascinating. These are the kidneys, and this is the liver, and that's the stomach, and that's the heart, and these are the lungs. And, and, and people have the same stuff inside of them, and we all smell the same on the inside, and we look the same on the inside. And, 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 and he was fascinated by it. And we took the back strap and we slapped it on the grill and we had it food right there and it meant food on the table. That's the way you're supposed to experience what's inside living creatures. If the first time you experience that is some terrible crime scene, some horrible accident scene, then you're destroyed by it. You should have encountered it when you were young and it should mean food on the table, it should be a positive part of the life cycle. So if you want to be a dangerous man, if you want to have the skills to survive, hunt, go hunting. It is the single best investment you can make. It puts food on the table, it, 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 you're out there harvesting your own protein. It, it's so deeply important for our well-being. And again, we talked about that a lot in the book, uh, but, but go hunting. And, and in combat, you don't hear the shot, The shots are muted in combat. That's called auditory exclusion. The only other place where that happens is hunting. Hunters will tell you they shoot the deer and they don't hear the shot and their ears don't ring. By the way, you are still getting hearing loss. The shutouts in the nerve, wear hearing protection when you hunt, you be a deaf old geese, my kids are paying the butt. But, but this, this business of tapping into the same biological responses of combat and hunting, and, 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 and if you really want to prepare, do that. Now, we'll take the next step in being a dangerous man, and, and, and it's about weapons. Now, yeah. uh, I, 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 here on the wall are weapons, and, and they've all been given to me. These are all gifts. And, and kind of my, my, little, uh, my little studio that we've set up here, you see on, on that wall, there's kind of this... Uh, this little starburst of knives and a sword, and, and those were all gifts, and, and some, of, some of the coins have been, been given, but, but, but I, I've got a thing in on combat about the giving of a weapon. And, and I, want to, uh, I want to share it with you. And when you go to our website, grossmanontruth.com, grossmanontruth.com, uh, you, can, you can get this little, this little meme, you can order a copy of it, but, but here's what it says. Giving someone a weapon implies your trust in the maturity and responsible behavior of the recipient. 
It speaks of your desire for their safety and well-being. It communicates your mutual aspiration to make the world a better and safer place. By putting this tool in the hands of a virtuous and trustworthy person. But remember, in the end, you are the weapon. Everything else is just a tool. So when we talk about weapons, we, we can't always carry a gun. We, we've got nations and places where it's not an option, where it's not available. Uh, what I want to talk to you about is, uh, is, is a couple of things you can carry, even on airplanes. I, I, I carry a flashlight. This particular one uh, I really like. It's a, there's a couple of brands. This one is, is, is PowerTac, and it's got multiple settings. Now, it's, it's, uh, it's got a neat kind of a magnetic attraction uh, uh, but but what happens is you've got a, a strobe uh, which is particularly effective and then back down to that what they call firefly level turn it off and tuck it back in your pocket but that we've hit the point where flashlights have become a weapon it, it, it's it's it, you can you can fight with it hack with it punch with it and and hammer with it but it's got a kind of a scalloped edge on it to allow for the kind of pressure point work but the very act of Putting it in somebody's face while it's flashing like that is, is powerful. I'm on airplanes all the time, two million miler on Delta, million on American United, about able, ready to roll over to two million on both of them. Uh, and, and I've got this flashlight in my pocket all the time. And if something needs to be done, I'm going to put that thing in my left hand and I'm going to put it in their face while it, at the highest level, which is just a, a, it's a freaking lightsaber. And, and at the same time, I'm going to be attacking with my right hand. This is the left, and this is the right. And, 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 uh, and, and Bruce Lee, and this is something, Bruce Lee is a real, a real deal. He was a, a movie star, did their early martial arts movies, but he was real. People doing full contact karate classes were trained from him. And you know, Bruce Lee said one time, he said, he said, in a real fight, I would no more kick somebody in the head than I would punch somebody in the foot. Uh, you know, there's Hollywood and then there's real stuff. And Bruce Lee was the real thing in so many ways. But he said, he said, I don't fear a man who's practiced a thousand techniques. I fear a man who's practiced one technique a thousand times. Find a simple technique and drill it, drill it, drill it. Uh, Ernie Emerson is a mutual friend of ours. You can go to Ernie's website and get a couple of good night drills. And just find one or two drills and drill it, drill it, drill it. And that's the other thing. Uh, I, I can't carry one on a plane, but when I get off the plane and get my check bag, I immediately pick up my knife. And this is an Emerson knife, and we're both fans of Emerson. But this is the Emerson Sheepdog knife. Uh, Ernie just recently came out with the, the, the it's, a, it's a joint endeavor between me and Ernie. It's got my uh, GrossmanOnTruth.com logo. It's got Ernie Emerson's logo. You still got some uh, some nice low serial number prices for it, but here's the key: it has a guard, a, a Bowie knife, a samurai sword, a K bar. Look look at all the knives back there. All true fighting knives have a guard, except the kukri, and the kukri is a chopping knife. is not meant for stabbing. If it's meant for stabbing, it has a guard. I I, I don't know much. I've never done much, but I have interviewed more people, and I know about the physiology of combat. And if you don't, you've got a knife, and we've got we've got fixed blade knives now that don't have a guard. We got folders, and and you try to stab something, you will go right down on that blade, 
and you will do more harm to yourself than the person you're trying to stab. Yeah. Uh, and and you, you've got to have a solid 90 degree guard. The Emerson knives have a deployment system. As you, as you pull it out of your pocket, it grabs and deploys, but then it's got the guard. And, and, and you can carry this around the world. I know that in, in England and places I travel, it's, I, it's not so legal. So I just drop it down in my pocket and have it clipped in my pocket. In Canada, it's a mixed bag, but nobody's going to do anything. But, but being able to have a knife and whatever blade you have, it doesn't have to be a $200 Emerson, but it's got to have that guard. This one in particular, it's got the flipper. With, and, and this is a fine motor skill, breaks down under stress. This is a gross motor skill, the flipper. It's easy to do under stress. It comes around and forms a guard. Uh, and, and that's an important part of what we do. So remember, uh, everything else is just a tool. You are the weapon. Uh, uh, we don't fear the person who knows a hundred, te a thousand techniques. We fear the person who's practiced one technique a thousand times. Uh, find one or two simple things to do. And I want to give you one last piece of, of advice and, and dynamics. Uh, we study how people respond to combat. And tunnel vision is almost universal. Even when people are not conscious to tunnel vision, we know what's happening. When we do videos of force-on-force -force engagements and they say, wow, that was right in front of me. I didn't even see it. That's tunnel vision. So about 80% of people report tunnel vision. They're conscious of it. The other 20% just aren't even conscious of it. They, they say it's like looking through a toilet paper tube. Bad guys have tunnel vision too. And lateral movement can take you right off the radar screen. Now, I've got a black belt in Hujutsu, the martial art of the fire. I like to shoot. I'm good at it. Uh, Hujutsu uh, qualification for your belt test is hundreds of rounds, fast and slow, in and out. It's a tremendous thing. Hujutsu uh, has had... Uh, over 20 practitioners in real-world gunfights with over a 98% hit rate. Nobody, nobody can even begin to compare to that. And one of the drills we do is a draw and sidestep and shoot, just an explosive sidestep and shoot. And I tell my audiences, I tell my classes, every draw should have a sidestep built into it, get explosively off the X. And another Ernie Emerson piece, Ernie uh, says, movement changes everything. Hold your hand up there. It's okay, hit my hand. Boom, all day long. Boom. Now, if I start moving my hand, hit it now. Oh, a lot harder. Move it explosively and energetically. Now, hit my hand. It's almost impossible. Movement changes everything. Don't just stand there. Practice explosive sidestepping. So, I'll tell you what this came to a drill for me. I'm in airports all the time. Uh, I don't have a gun. I don't even have a knife on me. But if somebody starts shooting, I am going toward the sound of the guns. That's who I am. That's what I do. But I know whoever's shooting has tunnel vision. And I've got, I carry a leather vest. I wear a leather vest with me. It's just another piece of luggage that the airlines let me carry. Uh, every pocket has something in it. I'm a walk-in filing cabinet. I'm a bag lady who lives out of my suitcase and my vest. But as I'm charging, circle that thing around me and then throw it when I've got his attention sidestep and charge take my belt off swing it around throw it sidestep and charge if i still have not got to him yet my last step is my cell phone throw it sidestep and charge and, and and have a plan explosive lateral movement throw something sidestep and charge throw something sidestep and charge have a plan have thought it through and you know uh, uh just one last example kind of make this come alive 
I'm in the airport in Atlanta. And if you've ever been at Atlanta airport, you know about those long escalators that go down to the transport system between the terminals. And, uh, and, and how many times have I looked at that escalator and seen that red turnoff button? Now, how many times have I thought about what it would be like to turn that button and when I would hit it and what I would do? How many, how many hundreds of thousands of people go past and never even see that turnoff button, never even know it's there? And, uh, and, and I'm walking past an escalator uh, and the main, you know, one of the terminals, and there's this screaming, turn it off, turn it off, shut it down. And there's people packed. There's like this, this long slot. You go down the escalator here, and then there's this balcony-like railing that you can look down into the escalator. And people are packed everywhere looking down, and not a single person is hitting the shut-off button. They're just all sheep and they're doing nothing. How many times have I thought about that button? I, I ran over there and hit the shut-off button. And then I got out of there because I got a I got a flight to catch. You know, I'm not interested in writing a report. I'm not interested in in getting an interview. I, I'm interested in in stopping the escalator. There's people down there that'll tend to them, and I want to go catch my flight. But that's what we're talking about. Every time you pass that red button on the escalator, think about someday I might have to push that button. Every time you walk past the uh, the fire alarm, think about someday I might have to hit that fire alarm, and that'll bring people here immediately. Uh, think about the fact I might have to use this flashlight as a weapon. What would it be like? Think about the fact that I, I, I'm not always able to carry a gun, but I'm going to have to deal with somebody who's killing people and an explosive lateral movement and, and charge uh, and, and, and have that have that mechanism that you've rehearsed, rehearsed, rehearsed. It starts in your head, but then it, it goes out to your body with training and mindset and rehearsal. Have hobbies that reinforce your survival skills. Hunting, truly. Buck fever when you shoot your first deer. I believe it's those predator neurons firing for the first time. And, and, and experiencing that for the first time is, is an incredible rush. Uh, it's almost like your first sexual experience. It's something we're biologically just <laughs> I love it. And the first time the neurons are firing and it's, it's like this overwhelming dynamic. And, uh, and, and, and so hunting, have that under your belt and, and, and have the, the, the carry a tourniquet with you and, and, and know how to slap it on and, and just, just, just be the weapon. Everything else is just a tool. You're the weapon. We are in stunningly, dynamically, horrendously violent times. But remember, the old that is strong does not wither and the deep roots are not touched by the frost. Yeah. Not all this gold does glitter, not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither, and the deep roots are not touched by the frost. Tap into those deep roots of hunting. Tap into those deep roots of being the protector, uh, of, of being biologically and psychologically prepared to protect your family, to protect your loved ones. Do everything you can lawfully, legally do to be a dangerous man. Jordan Peterson talks about we need dangerous men in the world today. We need to tap into the wisdom of the past. Be wary of young men uh, and, and, and draw from them with caution. Tap into the old and the wise and the strong. And, and, and that's been my lifetime, my books, my writing, uh, and preparing for a lifetime for that one day that might never come. Sometimes, and, and, and one other thing, we, we, we wrote the book. I wrote the book, uh, the Sheepdog Kids book. We say, the sheep will die to protect the ones they love. 
Only the sheepdog loves enough to die for other people's loved ones. And, and we say sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. To spend your own time, to spend your own money, to prepare for a lifetime for that one day. Now, as a, as a, a good follow-up on that, uh, I said, well, you know, we, we really emphasize military and law enforcement sheepdogs. We talk about civilian sheepdogs. They said, Dave, what about all the civilian sheepdogs? So we wrote the book, <laughs> Why Mommy Carries a Gun. And if anybody in the family, mom or dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt or uncle, if anybody's going to carry a gun, here's what we want the kids to know. Find a gun, stop, don't touch. Four universal gun safety laws, uh, 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 the Second Amendment, famous sheepdogs throughout history. Uh, it's really a lot of fun, but it all comes back it. to raising dangerous men, to raising men and women who are going to be able to circle the wagons and, 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 and survive and thrive through these violent times. And remember, everything else is just a tool. You're the weapon. So that's Grossman. Uh, fast and furious, nuts and bolts for this podcast. After uh, after we talked about it online, and I, I saw the podcast in a whole different light from the way you described it to our publisher. And I said, uh, I said, Nikki, let's get back on board and, and bounce this around a little bit. Uh, does that all make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, one thousand percent. I took a lot of detailed notes and a few things. Want to unpack? One is yeah. that. There's a reason why we need men, real men, dangerous men in this time, because the forces of darkness and evil right now are trying to destroy uh, the light of freedom in the world. That is what they're up to. That is what they're trying to do. And the starting point of that is to destroy manhood, destroy masculinity, because military age men are the only ones that can resist against evil. And if you have broken their spirit, they won't resist you. They'll think you're on their side. That's number one. And to me, I think it's more obvious than ever that this is happening right now. I mean, you look at what's going on in the United States. For the first time in American history, a former president of the United States has been subjected to um, basically a corrupt government uh attack where they're going after him legally and they're coming up with uh civil suits that have been funded by trump haters uh we have a corrupt district attorney a marxist who won't prosecute regular crime but is coming after uh, a former president and the leading candidate for president for the 2024 election that's what's happening and the only way that in the future this kind of shenanigans can be stopped is if we have a community of strong men and strong men come around when there are groups like mine, like the sovereign man movement that deliberately hold a space where iron sharpens iron, where um, men are held to a higher standard. We don't treat them like boys or like, you know, like girls, (laughs) like women, we treat them like men. And we force them to put aside their ego, to use their ego rather than be engaged by their ego. Because there's a big distinction. 
you use your ego when you go out there in the world and you you you, you go make a sale, you, you go write a book, hey, I'm good, I can do this. That's using your ego in a good way to push yourself forward. Being engaged by your ego is when you basically say, no, I shouldn't have to do that. I'm better than that. You owe me this. You owe me that. That kind of crap is what people who are engaged by their ego do. So it's important. And I want to do an entire episode on use your ego versus engage your ego. And we need to show men to take responsibility. There's a man who joined our, our community. And while he was a guest, we sent him a meeting invite. But we stopped doing that when he became a member. Part of our standards is own your life. We're going to send you all the material. We're going to send you all the dates for our meetings. It is now up to you to enter those dates into your calendar. We're not going to be sending you meeting invites because this community is going to grow. There's going to be you know, dozens, hundreds, thousands of people in it. I can't send meeting invites to all of them. I forget it. There's no way to track that, and I don't want to. And honestly, you need to own your life. And he got all pissed because he pays $100 a month. It costs just $100 a month to be a part of our community of men. The value is absolutely priceless, but it's $100 a month. He goes, well, I pay my $100 a month and you really should send me, you know, because I'm paying you, you should send this invite out to me. I'm like, are you out of your mind? You're paying me precisely to teach you how to take responsibility. Take responsibility for owning your calendar. <laughs> I love it. And you know, Nikki, you really talked about something that real is where I was hoping this would evolve to and I had in mind uh, we both come from a faith-based environment. We both come from this uh, this dynamic that, uh, you know, th th after after this world is over, uh, there is going to be a judgment, and there is going to be uh, uh, there is going to be uh, uh, something far greater than what happens right now. And uh, uh, I, I wrote the book uh, on spiritual combat. It's really designed to go side by side with. Uh, with on combat, and there you go, hurrah. Uh, you know, and, and in the end, I, 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 what I want you to understand is eternity is out there. Uh, sooner or later, all nations fall right? over my dead body, but sooner or later, our nation will fall. Sooner or later, our son will die, but eternity continues. So from a spiritual perspective, this is not our home. We are warriors deployed to a war zone for the duration. In World War II, when they enlisted, many were drafted, but when they were enlisted, they enlisted, quote, for the duration. They had no idea how long that would be. We are warriors deployed, deployed to a war zone. This world is a war zone, and we're here to fight the good fight. And that's what this book is all about on, on spiritual combat. And praise God, it was a Christian Book Award finalist. Uh, it's really touched an awful lot of lives. It, it's kind of a companion book on combat. The book that came out a year before that was Bulletproof Marriage, 90 Day Devotional. And, uh, and this one is 90 Days Sheepdog and Spouse. Now, you know, and, and we've talked about dangerous men, and we talked about manhood, and we talked about how men are wired. But there's a lot of great women out there ready to fight the good fight. You know, shield maidens ready to stand right beside you. I uh, I presented to the Well Armed Women Conference. Uh, what an amazing group! They were all chapter leaders and they're well armed women. Uh, uh, and uh, and I told them, you know, uh, uh, life is uncertain. Carry a gun and eat dessert first. So we're all sitting there at this banquet. 
we've all got dessert laid in front of us. And, and what happens is they bring all the food and then you eat dessert. I told him, no, no, you have my permission to eat dessert first because we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we might be attacked, you know, carry a, carry a gun and eat dessert first. So there are a lot of great women out there fighting a the good fight. But um, when we talked about this, the bulletproof marriage, most of those who draw from this are, are male, although it could be the other way around. Uh, it's got over 700 five-star reviews on Amazon, and, and it's just sheepdog and spouse, 10 minutes a day. And, 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 and as, you know, as, as authors, you know, Nikki and I know what it's like to write a book and we're writing a book and would anybody really read this? Would anybody really take 10 minutes a day for 90 days that, you know, them and their spouse? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's happening. And they say for every review on Amazon, there's 10 or 20 people who have the same experience and just don't talk about it here, wouldn't write a review. So we know we've sold the tens upon tens of thousands of copies of the book where, we're, we're just sitting there year after year in the top 20 in its category on Amazon, year after year after year, just chugging along. Uh, we'd encourage all of you out there uh, to consider, or I, I think, I think um, we both come from that faith perspective, and, uh, and we both, I think, encourage you, if you're interested or if you already have that perspective and want to take it a step deeper, uh, dive into On Spiritual Combat. It's got 400 five-star reviews on Amazon, and we've been touching a lot of lives with it. And, and see where we can go with that. Because in the end, if you don't have that big picture, if, if you believe that, 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 that this is all there is, and, and when you die, then, then it's done. And, 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 and what did anything matter? What did it matter? Uh, if you know that there's, there's something greater out there and that's a reward, and we talk in the book, I've got the sequel coming out, it's it's called uh, unspiritual warfare, unspiritual combat, and then in December, unspiritual warfare is coming up. And Nikki, you're gonna love this because your symbol on your shirt was those crossed gold swords. Yeah. Now, in the military, crossed rifles is the infantry. Crossed gold rifles, crossed pistols, the little old flintlock pistols is is military police. Crossed sabers is cavalry. But on the cover of this new book, it's, it's a black cover. It's got crossed gold swords, just like yours, with basic nice. crusader swords, not sabers. And we declared that crossed gold swords is a symbol for spiritual warfare. Crossed crusader swords. And, and that's what, I mean, parallel. It makes a hair awesome. set up on my head. That independently, the the... The people putting the graphics together for the book, independently, my co-author and I, independently you, have all come up with that idea of these cross crusader swords representing spiritual warfare. Uh, and that's our branch of service. That's who we are. That's what we do. And this body will, will grow old, but the spiritual battle continues and we can be at our most powerful uh, as, as wise leaders and as spiritual, spiritual warriors. Uh, at the at the end of our battle, as we were at the beginning, and one angle that we put in this new book is on spiritual warfare. We talk about being God's faithful dogs. Now, when we get there, a loving father will embrace us as his beloved children. We know that we're told it, and and uh, we will understand things that we cannot even begin to comprehend right now. But it's all I can do to barely think of myself as being God's dog. 
and I got I got a dog. She's a, she's a chocolate lab. She she's a gray muzzle, you know, kind of a grumpy old lady. She's my friend across the years, and if I let her off the leash, she'll run in the neighbor's yard and roll in something stinky. But I still love her, and I know that's her nature. And God sees every bad thing that we do, and He still loves us because we love Him, and that's that's all we got to give Him. That's all He asks. That's all we have to give is our is our our loyalty and our love. And uh, and and we talk about being God's dog. And once you've been adopted by God, once you eternal salvation, nothing, nothing, nothing can take you away from Him. Once you're His dog. And uh, George Will was a wise man in the 30s and the 1930s and 40s. And uh, and George Will said one time, if you get to thinking you're a man of some importance, try telling another man's dog what to do. Now, have you ever done that? The dog will look at you. If the dog could talk, here's what he'd say. He'd say, I don't know much. I'm just a dog. I know this. I'm not your dog. And when the evil one comes to you, <laughs> when the awesome. evil one comes to you and yours, you look in the eye and you tell him, hey, I'm not your dog. And uh, I, I, I've already given myself to the, to the creator of this universe, and I've entrusted my future, my soul to him. Amen. And so in the end, there, there's that, that greater value if we can tap into that. And those of you that don't think that way, maybe take that next step. Read the book on spiritual combat. See what it's about and, and think about that, that deeper perspective. And so all these bad things will happen. Ultimately, our nation will fall. Something terrible is going to happen to every one of us. We're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And very few deaths are really easy deaths. And the body doesn't let go of life very, very easily. And we said, don't curse God when he doesn't answer the prayers the way you think he should. Uh, all suffering on this life is nothing, nothing, nothing compared to eternity in heaven. God's greatest gift is not to give us a few more years on this earth, not to give us less suffering on this earth, because we will all die and we will all, and this time on this earth is so brief compared to eternity. God's greatest gift is to give us eternity in heaven with him. And keep your eye on the big prize and... Uh, I don't often get the chance to talk from that spiritual perspective, and many of you may not come from that angle. Uh, take a look at on spiritual combat. That Nikki and I both uh, come from that from that angle, and I, I think you may find it a value as you make your walk into being uh, being dangerous men and women, or or maybe just being God's faithful dog. But one day the sheepdog will finally rest at the feet of the great shepherd, where you hear those words, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." Amen. Amen. Again, a few things to unpack before we wrap up the episode. So I'd like us to do another interview, just you and me, on The Bulletproof Marriage. And I got to get a copy of that book. I want to read it and I want to unpack it because that is a concept that's very powerful and important. Um, I got two more books for you to write. (laughs) Let's do it. So one of them is with me, one of them is with my lady, uh, because she's also a writer. The one with my lady, I think the title should be Carry a Gun and Eat Dessert First. Oh, (laughs) let's do it. I love it. She's, you'd like her a lot. She's great. And she, um, I think she'd enjoy writing a book like this with you. And obviously I got to ask her about that and connect you guys, but I think it's good. And a a book we write, and we got to finish our current book first, but... Yes. I've been. I, I I've dabbled and written stuff on the subject of manhood, masculinity, manliness, and I like the whole on 
on series of books that you write, you know, on killing, on combat, on spiritual combat. How about on manliness and getting, getting into a deep dive into what it means to be a manly man and, oh. and not just in all right all you listeners out there you heard it here first someday you'll see that book on manliness or on manhood uh, with, with, you know, with nikki and dave and you say i was there yeah, i heard yeah. the podcast yeah where nikki yeah. floated and now here's the book and that's what there you go we float an idea and then we follow through we yeah we, Everybody has a book they thought about. How many have followed through and written the book? And well, I'll, so I'll, I'll tell you something. About. I think it's going to be great. And I think, uh, you know, um, your, um, your your friend Carlton, the publisher for our, for our book, fingers crossed, yeah. we're waiting for that to actually become yeah. a reality. That's we're, It's looking good, but let's make it real. Amen. He, um, he said something that another publisher told me two weeks ago. So I know God is meant for me to listen to this message. And he said that 90% of book buyers are women. 90% of book buyers are women. And I'm like, that's crazy to me because like I buy over a hundred books a year. Easy, easy. Like, like, you know, um, you can see behind me, there's, there's a whole bunch of books there in the office and in my home office, I got thousands of books. It, but if that's the case, then, you know, having a book that is for, uh, for women and, and 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 to their concerns is a good idea. And uh, when I told my lady I'm writing this it. book on sleep with you, she's like, "Oh my God, you know I love sleep. I, I this this fellow Colonel Grossman sounds great. I'd like to write a book." And I go, "Okay, let's see what we can do. Figure it out." But when you said this, that just popped in my head. Carry a gun and eat dessert first. That's such a good line, and I think you'd make a phenomenal because book title, right? Truth. Isn't that a phenomenal book? I love there it. you go. And eat dessert it. first. Girl. I mean, that that's like that that's like Louis Grizzard's book back in the eighties. Real men don't eat quiche. Remember that? Like it's that sort of title. It's got yes. that that pop yes. to it. So, <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, no. so, you know, all your listeners, you heard it. Just a couple of good guys that have had a track record of putting some books out, yeah. bouncing ideas around. Iron sharpens iron. This is truly yeah. an iron sharpens iron moment. And and I pray everyone who listens here has got a fellow man that you can sharpen iron with. You can bounce ideas. You can uplift one another. My grandson's in the army. He's got a, a sergeant, and they, they he's in the, the guard. So most of the time it's civilian and they get together, but they hold each other accountable. My grandson has discovered Jordan Peterson. And I said, whoa, this is so good. <laughs> I've entrusted my grandson to Jordan Peterson uh, independently of me. Uh, and, you know, he grew up with Heinlein and some of the other good stuff. And, Heinlein's and, great. and he grew up with books, and he made that transition to Jordan Peterson. But, uh, but I, I pray that everyone out there will find somebody if you don't, then, then touch face with Nikki and and this this organization that Nikki's got going on and coaching and Iron Sharpens Iron, uh, just follow up and I, I pray that all of you will have that opportunity to sit down with somebody like Nikki and I just did and and bounce plans and ideas and great schemes yeah. and bring them to to, to fruition. Yeah, you know? may it be so. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, Dave. And I want to just say something about that the organization. Just, you know, you said that when I spoke with Carlton the other day, it made you see the podcast in a new light. And what I'm about to say is going to make you see the organization in a new light. We are keen 
to have men come and experience what we do. And the way we do it is we have two Zoom meetings a month. And what we do is we invite any man who wants to come and check it out, a chance to come to one meeting and just, you know, check it out for free. And he'll come and he'll experience what we do. And in that meeting, he gets to experience a part of the curriculum we have because we have a year-long curriculum with a topic every month that's uh, of importance and value to a man. So uh, some of the topics we've gone through include um, man skills. So things like how to build a fire outdoors, you know, how to how to hunt. Probably going to bring you in, in in one of our months and say, hey, learn about hunting and this will be the book on hunting for the month. We have the men, every man, we tell him, this is the reading list for the month. Buy this book. You're in charge of reading this book. You're tasked with reading it. And then one man at the meeting is responsible for um, having read the book, having created a presentation about one thing that he got out of the book that he's implemented in his life and teaching that. That's based on Glasser choice theory, right? Uh, Professor Glasser posited that when you want to really learn something, what you need to do is apply it in your life and teach it to someone else. 95% of what you are attempting to learn, you'll learn by teaching it to someone else. So that's what the, each man is going to do every, you know, as part of his membership in the community. And we also go through content and we iron sharpens iron. And we are, we're also giving men an opportunity to come and be what we call inspected. So if you're dealing with something in your life, let's say you lost your job, let's say your wife left you, let's say your wife had an affair, let's say you had an affair, whatever it is, you bring that to the room and the men aren't there to judge you, but they're they're there to intrusively inspect you and ask you questions until the, the right answers on how to handle it start popping up in your own mind. And this is the sort of thing that men used to do up until the mid 60s. We had men's clubs and groups and men would go hunting a lot. And now it's practically non-existent. So we're bringing it back. We want this to be a space where men can be men with one another. And this is, I'm telling you this because I know you're going to run across men and say, look, you need to check this out. Here's my buddy, Nikki. Here's his number. Here's his email. Send him a text. He'll invite you to a meeting because we really are looking for good men to come and have an opportunity to be uplifted by other men, fathered by other men, rather than, you know, oh. mothered or babied by other men. Mothering is important, but yeah. not from men. Sure. Men got to father one another. And mothering comes from your mom <laughs> and from women. And, and you definitely don't want to be babied. There you go. So I, I know that was going to help you see what we do in a new light as well. That's so cool, Nikki. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron, brother. We yeah. live, you know, in... It, it, these are the deep roots are not touched by the frost. This is the old that is strong and does not wither. Uh, we're, we're tapping into all of that. And, uh, and, and it ought to give you a sense of joy and strength and satisfaction to have listened to this, to have known those resources are available, to, to know that in spite of all the bad things happen in this world, and it is very, very bad. If you ever thought you needed to worry about violence, if you ever thought you needed to worry about a threat, uh, it's orders of magnitude more so, not just in America, but Canada has seen the same bump. Uh, we see similar dynamics worldwide. Uh, the explosion of violence has been happening. Uh, be strong, uh, be bold, be brave, and, uh, and, and, and always have a plan to 
explosive violence when the time is needed. Uh, explosively off the X. Let it start with a with an explosive sidestep and then move in and, and go from there. Yeah, we're going to make sure that our podcast producer puts uh, all your books in the show notes and where to get them on Amazon. I think that's going to be great. So what kind of right. flashlight do you carry that you recommend? Flashlight? Well, the one I found, a manhood thing, uh, I went to a class and they talked about carrying the flashlight in a groin line carry. And it, it's always right there. And then you, you've got it right there. Now, I carry my blade. I, I, I carry my gun in a fanny pack that keeps the left side pretty much occupied. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've, I've got the blade here. That's the Emerson knife. Yeah. And yeah. then it's very, very convenient. This is on the sideline, but this is in the groin line. It, it stays right there. If you ever see me on a plane, uh, you, you'll see me carrying that flashlight right there. And this particular one, there's some good ones out there, but this is power tack. Power and, tack. Uh, and power tack. Okay. And, and again, I mean, just look at that. It's so much fun. You know, there we go. Uh, you know, that's what they call firefly. And then it goes up and up and up. And then, you know, you, know, you got that strobe, which is just in, in terribly disorienting and powerful. Uh, and, and this is a weapon that you can carry everywhere. Carry it right there in that it. little room like carry. And, and it'll always be there. You can reach right to it. Uh, and uh, and it it uh, it truly is. It's a freaking lightsaber now. We got those flashlights up to the level where they truly are a weapon when you're able to shine it in somebody's eyes. And they, you know, just yeah. just uh, find one that you like. Find one that's got that's rechargeable. Find one with uh, with very very high looms, and uh, and and uh, and run with it and have fun with it because that's a piece of technology that we can work with. I'm gonna go order me a power tack. I've got a few flashlights around the house, but nothing super super great yeah. from my point of view and, and i i like the look of that one i think it looks great so let me uh let me put in an order for one i think that's that's there you go that'd be great and uh somebody gave it to me one time and i said this is great uh I've just you know and he said because we're men we don't read instructions he said when you when you go to charge it it needs to be turned on to charge. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I fiddled with it, but I yeah. remembered him. Hey, something he told me when it came time to charge it. What was it he said? Oh, yeah, I think it needs to be on. Let's see if that works. I might even have it backwards right now. But when you charge it, you know what's doing and you watch it happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you, you kind of crack the code. There's something kind of counterintuitive to it. But it's you funny know, it's, I said that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny that you, you, you said that, you know, as men that we don't read instructions. A real man, the kind of man and sovereign man does read instructions. And yes. the definition of a yes. sovereign man is a man who is sovereign. He is fully responsible for his own life, and he takes care to understand and follow through on the details. And, and you know and what I, else we do? We ask for directions. They know and then won't stop and ask for directions. I'll, I'll ask for directions. I do all the time. If I, I don't know where I'm going, ask, let's ask for some help. Like, <laughs> get eye contact help. and say hello to every person you pass, you know, and uh, and just just be out there. Yeah, Amen. praise God, praise God. All right, and on that note, Dave, would you say a prayer and let's wrap up the episode? Well, I will. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to gather together. Uh, Nikki and I have, have given ourselves to you. We know that we are your faithful dogs. We know that, uh, that there's nothing but good things waiting for us when this world is finished with us. Uh, we are deployed to a war zone. This is not our home, and we look forward to the day when we come home. But in the meanwhile, we're having a lot of fun down here, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for all the wonderful uh, sheepdogs out there. 
who have listened to this. We ask that we can be a blessing to them and that you would bless our families, bless our endeavors, bless our nations, carry us through these times and lead us into paths of righteousness and love and thanks. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. amen. One final note, Nikki. Yes, you know, uh, uh, we taught House of Worship security team training and still do uh, for, for over 100 of them. Uh, before nine people were murdered in, in Charleston AME Church, before 26 people were murdered in Sutherland Springs Baptist Church, we were teaching House of Worship Safety. And we taught them to have your head up and your eyes open when you pray. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says you've got to bow your head and close your eyes. It's, uh, it's funny, when Gideon selected his 300 from the host of Israel, he selected the ones who kept their head on the horizon and brought the water to their mouth. They always had their eyes on the horizon. So, you know, when Jesus uh, called out, he, he, he looked up there and said, Lazarus, come out, you know. And, uh, so bowing your head and shutting your eyes is not necessarily biblical. It, it comes from the revival, you know, bow your head, shut your eyes in the privacy of your own mind, raise your hand, you know. But uh, I just tell people that, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I train the Secret Service. And when the president has his head bowed in prayer, do you suppose the Secret Service does? No. no. So those of you that were just occurred to me, I need to say this. Those of you that might have been watching this podcast with C. Grossman with his head up and his eyes open praying. What, what's that all about, Dave? So now you know. <laughs> Another little nugget of information. I give you. I give you biblical permission to have your head up and your eyes open. While everybody else is praying. God's up there. He's not down there. And uh, and uh, and take that next step to be in uh, your family secret service to having your eyes open and alert. And uh, one of Gideon's three hundred that uh, kept the eyes on the rise and brought the water to their mouth. And on that note, I bless you, Nikki, and, and bless all our listeners out there. We pray this time has been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me, my friend, and thank you for that. I never knew that before. I learned something valuable and powerful in you. And on that note, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.